0: Good evening, students. It is so good, so exciting to have you in lecture today. It's definitely a privilege an honor, it is a treat. Just wanna remind everyone, you are not alone. This is an academic community. Remember to get help from university services if needed. Never give up, never give up. Keep trying, we're here to help you. Be intelligent, successful and responsible scientists. however at the end of the day you must be responsible, intelligent and hardworking. I want to remind you, don't give up, it may be challenging, it may be hard, find strategies, find resources, meet with people, network, do what you can, it's worth it. You are smart enough, you are good enough, you are worth the effort and the fight. Keep it up. So, um, today we are going to be going through a few advanced topics. I just want to give you a quick preview of some of the chemistry ideas. Uh, It's very valuable, uh, very useful, and I think it'll be uh, a good resource for you. Um, This book was written by myself and reviewed by one of my good colleagues and friends, Vincent Miranda. Um, So it's dedicated to tens of people who have helped and inspired me, specifically my parents, Drs. Ferguson and Ferguson. Uh, my brother, attorney Ferguson, and my sister, uh, Stephanie and his wife as well, my brother's wife as well, and those teachers in university and high school who helped make science accessible to me. So let's just go over it. Organic yeah, chemistry is a subject that requires effort, focus, and skill. These foundations have been selected after guided review and observations as to what concepts facilitate and support a good understanding as the student progresses through this discipline in chemistry. These foundations from the moiety to the metallics highlight with conceptual focus. Key ideas points, to memory aids support the success in organic chemistry. Learning organic chemistry is similar to building a house. It takes time, skill, and persistent efforts. So let's begin. Of course, this will be an audio and a visual as well, depending on how you learn. The goal for this episode is to encourage those who are studying organic chemistry. I know from personal experience organic chemistry can be at point, especially organic chemistry one, challenging because you're adjusting to a new paradigm per se and you are adjusting to a new set of content. But the thing you have to remember is with strategy and persistence, you can make it through it and do well and do your best. So, some objectives that we want to remember. We want to learn the key definitions, we want to understand key ideas and relevance of Lewis start structures, and we want to understand some simplified quantum mechanical concepts. Organic molecules can be defined as multiple atoms associated or bonded together, made primarily from carbon. In short, organic molecules are carbon-based molecules. Here we have the structure of cyanocobalamin, this is the structure I did my undergraduate thesis on, also known as vitamin B12. These molecules may or may not have the same molecular formula. In cases where the molecular formula is the same but the structure is not the same, you have structural isomers. Some examples include acetone and dimethyl ether. Note uh, when the constitution or the connectivity is not the same, you have constitutional isomers. Where the arrangement in 3D space is not the same, you have stereo isomers. In some instances, constitutional is sometimes interchange with structural isomers. Now subclasses of stereoisomers. you have optical isomers, which are molecules that rotate light differently, and their mirror images are non-superposable, non-superposable, otherwise known as enantiomers, ah, and they are designated by EZRS. Antargon, salmon Rectus, or Sinister. Geo- geometric isomers, which are molecules that have non identical mirror images, um, there has to be a and trans, the arrangement around the plane of the one is different. Again, molecules can be linear. Linear molecular shape is observed with hydrogen cyanide or acetylene, or maybe may be planar but trigonal, such as formaldehyde. Um, the structure for the is cut off um, the hydrogen. Also the molecule can have 3D arrangement such as methane existing as a tetrahedral molecule. So it's important to remember that molecules are multiple ions once together and compounds are a type of molecule in which you have multiple heteroatoms bonded together. So, the atoms are different in that case. So, let's talk about the structure of 3D molecules. The structure of 3D molecules can be predicted using an application of correctly drawn lewis dot structures, which is valence-shell electron pair repulsion theory also known as clepsin-ion theory. Vespa, as well one way to say it, involves valence bond theory, showing all valence electrons and including bonding and non-bonding electrons, in some cases referred to as lone pairs, and maximizing separation in 3D space, so as to minimize repulsions, connecting to Coulomb's law in the greater distance in that greater distance minimizes potential energy. So greater distance between like charges minimizes potential energy. And the converse is true in that when you increase or decrease the distance between unlike charges, you also minimize potential energy. So Vespa is an alternative that can form and start the journey in understanding molecular geometry, whether it be the linear alkynes, the trigonal planar arrangements of the carbon atoms and some alkenes. Or the tetrahedral arrangement of carbon atoms around some carbon atoms in alkanes. Another alternative involves using quantum mechanics that uses wave functions that are mathematical descriptions of electron probability distributions to produce atomic orbitals. There are some limitations in this method as it pertains to accuracy, as with the previous method, VESPA, considering the theoretical simplifications that I use. Overall, the goal is to gain a better understanding as to what occurs in nature. For example, for example, with quantum mechanics, we can step into hybridization theory and use mathematical mixing of wave functions to further our understanding of what is observed in nature. With the same goal, through ideas and valence one theory, we can predict. The bond angles for methane, specifically the intramolecular H bond angle in methane, hydrogen, hydrogen, bond angle in methane. The deviations, however, that are observed. The hybridization accounts for those deviations with explanations. Those explanations entail the ideas that linear arrangements have carbon ions are sp hybridized, one, sp plus two Ps. Trigonal plane arrangements have carbon atoms that sp2 hybridized, one sp2 plus one p. And tetrahedral arrangements have carbon atoms that sp3 hybridized, one sp3 plus about, plus zero p. Uh, other hybridizations occur less frequently in mainstream organic chemistry. However, with higher geometry is common in common with organic compounds there can occur trigonal bipyramidal SP3D or octahedral SP3D2. So note, quantum mechanics also involves the use of molecular orbital theory to understand other interactions. That will be discussed later. With the same focus, quantum mechanics also enables chemists to speak on regional electron densities. Um, also, it's important to know that double bonds possess a sigma bond, a pi bond, and triple bonds of 1 sigma 2 pi. So some questions you want to think about. What is organic chemistry and what is the historical origin of it? What is one class of organic compounds? What are three different types of isomers? Explain the valence bond theory in general simple terms. What is one molecular example where valence bond theory does not accurately explain what occurs in molecules? What are the hybridization of carbon atoms in acetyl nitrile? what well, the designations of sigma and pi for bond position So let's keep going, we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to continue talking about function groups and other ideas. Functional groups and other ideas. Do so you want to understand what is a functional group? Understand the key format for organic nomenclature and understand the role of intermolecular forces. Functional groups are characteristic parts of molecules that convey specific chemical properties to the molecules that possess them. Functional groups do numerous things, but mainly they enable us to compartmentalize information about molecules, compounds, and reactions. Functional groups do give us insight into chemical interactions, such as intermolecular interactions, as well as give us more information in understanding the properties of molecules. This includes the physical properties, boiling points and melting points, and solubilities. Considering the usefulness of functional groups, they also possess a characteristic molecular fingerprint that is detected in many ways, namely in spectra, so IR spectra, which really gives you a fingerprint as to the function groups within the molecule, and that will be discussed later. So, case five, we have an example of phenol right there. So, we have types of molecules and their properties. There are several types of molecules in the world, however, in the discipline of organic chemistry, There are specific molecules that are discussed frequently, including these, your alkanes. Alkanes, otherwise known as paraffins, are saturated hydrocarbons and aliphatic compounds. These molecules form a series of homologs with a repeating methylene unit and with the general formula CnH2n plus 2 and ending with the suffix A. For example, in increasing order from 1 to 5, we have methane CH4, ethane C2H6, propane C3H8, butane C4H9, pentane C5H12. The following prefixes are hex for 6 carbons, hept for 7 carbons, oct for 8 carbons, non for 9 carbons, dec for 10 carbons. These prefixes from meth to dec are applicable throughout the naming of yeah, compounds, alkanes, alkenes, alkynes, alcohols, alcohols, etc. And there uh, are lots of ways you can code this information even when it comes to hero cycles, whether it be ear, ep, ear, ep, ep, dash, app, ep, ep, dash, ep. So there are lots of ways you can code the information for different hero cycles. You can discuss that uh, chunking on that mnemonic later. So, air, oxirane, oxytane, oxane, oxalane, oxeptane, all those things. We can discuss that later. So, alkenes, otherwise known as olefins, are unsaturated hydrocarbons, they are considered aliphatic compounds. They contain at least one double bond, forming a homologous series with the formula CNH2N. These, these are alkenes, These molecules end with the suffix en. So, alkynes, otherwise known as acetylenes, are unsaturated compounds having a triple bond. These molecules form a homologous series with a general formula CNH2N-2. These molecules end with the suffix "-ine". There are several other molecules that form a homologous series within their groups, including carboxylic acids and aldehydes. You also have alcohols. Alcohols whose main functional group for identification is the hydroxyl group. Is notably priority in the practice. Exceptions include carboxylic acids, according to the IUPAC. Alcohols contain one or more hydroxyls, forming a homologous series CnH2n+1OH. Alcohols are aliphatic and typically end with the suffix all. So let's talk about intermolecular forces and other properties. With functional groups comes certain properties such as specific boiling points and melting points as well as critical temperatures. Temperature around which a vapor is not easy or does not easily undergo a phase change to a liquid and many other physical properties. However, beneath the surface of physical properties are the chemical features or interactions known as intermolecular forces which influence and enable comparative predictions and physical properties. Namely there are key forces to remember. You have your dipole-dipole forces. These are forces which occur between molecules intermolecular with a dipole moment or a significant dielectric constant. These molecules are otherwise known as polar. These intermolecular forces, (IMFs) are relatively strong. A relatively stronger version of this is the H-bond or hydrogen-bond intermolecular force. So you have your hydrogen bonding. It is a stronger force, sometimes referred to as a strong dipole-dipole force. This is a relatively strong, some consider it the strongest, of the IMFs. It occurs in water and other molecules with hydrogen bonds to nitrogen, oxygen, and fluorine. Then you have your iron dipole. This occurs between ions and polar molecules, for example, with salvation of sodium chloride crystals in water. Then you have London dispersion forces. London dispersion forces occur in all molecules and are based off of the columbic interactions between transient in essence temporary dipoles. These electrostatic forces result in interactions between molecules. Then you have Van der Waals forces, now a weak force that consists of two kinds, including the Van der Waals force which is discussed in short, is where um, more elaboration to be found in other texts in other episodes. It's worth noting that IMFs and the strength are based off of functional groups, chemical structure, and the types of chemical bonding in those molecules. So intramolecular bonding. So what's inside influences what occurs on the outside. Composition, influencing function. Anyway, chemical bonding, you have polar covalent bonding. Covalent bonding occurs between atoms with significant electronegativity difference. So this is polar covalent bond. Specifically, this bonding occurs with heteroatoms, which refers to different non-metal atoms. So different non-metal atoms. Many times, the Pauling scale is used as a reference for ranges to determine the type of bonding arrangement occurring between atoms. If bonding, though considered a theoretical construct, is viewed on a spectrum of polar covalent bonding would exist around the middle. Then we have covalent bonding. This is also non-polar covalent bonding. This is almost at the other, another end of the bonding spectrum, where there is less significant difference in electronegativity. The so then you have ionic bonding. This is at the other end of the bonding spectrum. It occurs between metals and non-metals. For example, in sodium chloride, there is a large difference in electronegativity. Salvation. Salvation is dependent on many factors, including the principle of like dissolves like, and ideas such as hydrophilicity and hydrophobicity. Hydrophilicity and hydrophobicity. These terms refer to the molecule's stance in relation to water, whether it has a significant affinity for water, hydrophilic, water loving, or less significant affinity for water, hydrophobic, water hating. The tendency of molecules is as follows. Polar ionic compounds tend to be hydrophilic compared to covalent and non-polar compounds which tend to be hydrophobic. Nomenclature, according to the IEPAC, is based off of four main parts prefix, locus, parent chain, suffix. The prefix normally denotes the number of each substituent of functional group attachments. Prefixes include di, tri, tetra, the locant, which is the number that describes the functional group attachment of the substituent's position. The parent chain, this is normally the longest continuous chain in the molecule. The suffix, this is based off the presiding or prioritized functional group chain of bonding arrangement, single, double or triple suffixes are typically classical in ending, with "-ane", referring to the alkanes, "-ane", referring to alkenes, "-ine", referring to alkynes, amines, amines, amide, amides, amide, carboxylic acids, eight esters, own ketones, dehydes, aldehydes. Key facts to note, the alcohol's function of group hydroxyl is normally prioritized overall. Substituents are transcribed or outlined in the name based on the relative alphabetical order. So ethyl before methyl and a pattern continues. So key overall idea, and I'll repeat this twice. Prefix locant parent chain suffix. Prefix locant parent chain suffix. Prefix locant parent chain suffix. Generally. So you can look up further. Ideas about IUPAC nomenclature in other texts. So some questions to consider, what is a functional group and name several examples of functional groups. What are three types of organic molecules, what is an intermolecular force, explain dipole-dipole forces, what is one molecular example where intermolecular forces explain a physical property such as boiling point, what is one difference between hydrogen bonding and london spiritual forces, explain the overall process of naming simple organic compounds so if you want so just an aside quick aside if you want more information into hero Cycle, there's a phenomenal chemist his name is dr Barron. he has lots of resources out there for hero cycles but feel free to look into that very good resource very brilliant chemist so let's keep going concept development three structures confirmations and projections so one things we want to do and and also just remember this episode is primarily dedicated to those in general chemistry as well as those who are in organic chemistry with thrust that we want to encourage and help each other as we go along in our scientific careers. So objectives, understand and be able to draw Lewis electron dot structures, condense structures and bond line structures. Understand and be able to draw different confirmations, primarily those of cyclohexane understand and be able to draw and identify Fischer projections and Newman projections. So structures are diagrammatic representations of different molecules, and they provide a means of understanding what is occurring in nature. There are a variety of different structures used in chemistry. The main examples in this episode would be lewis electron dot structures, condensed structures and bonnet structures. So Lewis, dot Structures, named after your boy Gilbert N. Lewis, brilliant scientists. They are built on some key ideas such as the arm's valency and the octet rule. There are specific exceptions for period 3 with sulfur and arsenic, for example, and beyond. Valency, valency refers to the amount of electrons an atom will lose, many times resulting in a positively charged iron cation. Gain, many times resulting in a negatively charged iron anion or shell, typically occurring in covalent molecules, in order to have a stable noble gas configuration. Ground suite, of course, valency can be determined using the periodic table. The group number, the vertical column numbers for main group elements typically in the periodic table is designated as the valency. The valency corresponds normally with charge, oxidation number, and its subsequent sign is dependent on the type of atom, its reactivity, and what it is reacting with. So key points to note valency can be shown quickly using overstart structures and orbital arrangements can be explained simply in some ways with the Bohm model. The octet rule now. The octet rule is a principle with applications in resonance theory, simple chemical mechanisms and reactions. The octet rule is based on the idea of atoms gaining, sharing or losing electrons in order to have a complete octet. In this context, we are referring to 8 outer electrons. There are exceptions. For example, some atoms may lose electrons to possess the electron configuration of helium, 2 outer electrons. However, for the most atoms, in period 1 and period 2, in the periodic table of elements, both elements obey the octet rule generally. This rule is helpful in predicting the activity and explaining simply the rationale for certain chemical reactions. So for period 3 onward, there are exceptions. So let's think about the rules for writing those electron dot structures. So NP-SEM, note the total amount of, of electrons, place single bonds between each atom subtract two electrons for every single bond, add it, eliminate or note the remainder amount of electrons, and minimize formal charge as best as possible. So for atoms and ions, consider the group number primarily an electron configuration. For molecules, start by determining the total electron count among the atoms and the molecules single bonds between each atom, subtract the electrons for each single bond, add extra bonds when necessary, for example, carbon-oxygen bonds and aldehyde ketones, bonding arrangement typically in the form of a double bond. Ladies and gentlemen, you must know and observe the trends. After all the necessary extra bonds have been denoted, subtract the correct amount of electrons for the extra bonds added, typically with the remaining electrons, denote them as lone pairs around the relevant atoms. So let's keep going. Condensed structures. Condensed structures are important in the process of understanding what bond line structures represent and show. In condensed structures, all of the hydrogen bonds are attached to the carbon, it's for example. S2 butane. you can see here. So bond line structures are the next step after condensed structures. These show only the carbon framework, with each carbon represented by a band in the chain, and the hydrogen not denoted, but inferred or assumed to the point or a complete octet around the carbon atom. This means hydrogens are not shown but implied to the point that the valency of carbon is satisfied. For example, we see there. Bond line structures are useful and efficient; they save time. You can see an example of a bond line structure right there for benzene. Now, confirmations. Confirmations are molecules that differ only by rotations around single bonds. You may have heard of conformers, rhodomers, otherwise characterized as sigma bonds. These alternate rotations affect the potential energies of the molecules, either increasing, as seen in the eclipsed conformation, or decreasing it, as seen in the anti-confirmation. Confirmations' potential energies are attributed to ring strains based off of the angle strain and the torsional strain. Angle strain is caused by the alternate bond angles that have deviated from the idealized bond angle suggested in the Torsional strain is caused by repulsion due to the dispersion forces, an intermolecular force, and this can cause steric hindrances. So as you progress further in your career in science, you'll hear the two whistling whistling concepts, two echoing concepts in the halls of organic chemistry. You have sterics and electronics. So consummations can be experimentally described using a graph of dihedral, of dihedral angle versus potential energy. As you study this and more, you kind of things like carpaless correlation, um, all of that good stuff, lot of good stuff. So typically cyclohexane is probably the potential energy of the different consummations in there on increasing potential energies. The chair, the twist boat, the boat, the half chair, and the chair. chair chair, twist boat. chair, half-chair, twist boat, half-chair, chair. The important when you will start learning about this to be able to draw your chairs correctly. Chair, half-chair, twist boat, both, twist boat, half-chair, chair. So CHT, BTHC. CHT, PTHC, chair, half chair twist boat, boat, twist boat, half chair, chair. Projections. In chemistry, there are many types of projections. However, two that are frequently encountered are the Newman projection and the Fisher projection. So, Newman projections are structures from a specific perspective. We look down a specific single bond between atoms and draw the other attachments in respect to those two atoms. For example, butane is drawn. So picture yourself looking down the axis of a single bond, C2 to C3 of butane, or C2 to C3 in some other molecule. Now let's draw the Newman projection. Here we see an example of Newman projection. Then you have your Fischer projections. These are typically seen with your carbohydrates and your hexoses and all this other good stuff. They involve another representation from a different perspective. The molecule is drawn from top to bottom, normally with the anomaly carbon at a designated end. Generally the functional group attachments are on the sides, which are seen as wedges that are out of the plane of the paper. And the top and bottom of the projection is seen as groups on the dash. Another bond designation uses the strickenly line. Which represents a single bond out and behind the plane of the paper. So the reaction is typically used with carbohydrates, especially simple carbohydrates. So you can see an example of R, 1 bromo, 1 chloroethane, and then you can see another example of kalidamide. Classic molecule that is also discussed when we, dis- we introduce the key ideas associated with stereochemistry and how important it is even when it comes to medicines and the use and effects in the human body. So let's talk about some questions. What is the lowest electron dot structure of oxygen? What are the key ideas for drawing lowest electron dot structures? Explain the concept of valency. Explain the octet rule. What is one exception to the octet Draw the bond line structure of antizine to overall water stability for cyclohexane hexane remember we go chair half chair twist board chair half chair twist board boat, twist board half chair 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 half chair twist board board twist board half chair chair CHTBTHC THC for those who need to know that Okay, so let's talk about chirality and isomerism. You want to know key definitions. Definitions of words such as isomer, chiral, and conformation. Understand the concept of stereoisomerism, chirality. Understand the label and van, label van not So let's keep going. Isomers, as defined earlier, are molecules with the same molecular formula but different in structural arrangement, space, connectivity, or geometry around the bonding arrangement. All those differences aforementioned define a subclass of isomers, be it structural or so structural isomers, arrangement in space, stereoisomers, or connectivity, constitutional isomers. Each subclass has its own significance. Stereoisomers or spatial isomers are molecules with the same molecular formula but different three-dimensional spatial arrangements. A stereoisomer has a stereogenic center, which is a location in the molecule where the interchange of two groups in space results in a new stereoisomer. A subgroup of stereogenic centers is the Carl Center which typically refers to a stereogenic center with an sp3 hybridization or tetrahedral geometry. Every chiral center is a stereogenic center, but not every stereogenic center is a chiral center. stereo can be further divided into other categories such as enantiomers, non-superposable images, diastereomers, Identical mirror images, isomers, isomers as a result of restrictions and orientations. Um, so, enantiomers. Enantiomers are optical isomers. These optical isomers are molecules that are non superposable. Enantiomers typically have chiral centers, or a chiral center. Enantiomers are very significant in the pharmaceutical industry, with specific enantiomers and drugs having specific effects. This is seen with the classic example of thalidomide, ibuprofen, and Darvon where specificity contributes a large role in determining therapeutic potential and therapeutic effects. Enantiomers are typically designated by the signets of absolute configuration, which are R, rectus, and S, sinister. Mixtures of both enantiomers are called racemic. Usually these are mixtures of equal proportions. The process of forming both enantiomers as products is known as racemization. And if you do some more research, you'll hear about the Viedma ripening. You can do the research to find out about it. So, molecules are also designated by the relative configuration, which are dextrorotatory D and level-rotatory. That refers to the optical rotation, how they rotate light. So, let's talk about assigning configurations. Dextrorotatory or level must be assigned experimentally typically by the proper application of an optical device such as a polarimeter. To observe, measure how the molecule rotates light and to what extent or degree it rotates. Absolute configurations can be assigned using a priority. Numerical labeling system such as the Khan Ingo prelog Priority Rules. These rules give priority based on atomic mass, larger atoms have the highest priority and the smallest or least ring, atoms have the least priority typically hydrogen in most molecules so if you have hydrogen typically it's going to be on the Gosh. okay in the back of the plane of paper and then the largest priority the thing that has the highest priority is going to be coming out at you okay so there you have s one bromo one propane. So let's talk about diastereomers. This is a subclass of optical isomers, optical isomers, a subclass of optical isomers, known as geometric isomers. Diastereomers are isomers with the same molecular formula but different arrangements in space that result in non-identical mirror images. These can be identified by first assignment of the absolute configuration of the stereogenic centers, then comparison of the mirror images to determine whether they are identical or not. So that's just the way you can do it. Subclass of diastereomers are cis trans isomers and conformers, which can further be divided into roomers. So you have your easy isomerism and your cis trans isomerism as dexteratory are never rotatory, it's relative assignment to stereochemistry, so is cis and trans. Cis and trans isomerism allows for the denoting of the spatial arrangements based on like groups, for example trans-12 dichloroethine or cis12 dichloroethine. This relative system, cis or trans, can become obscure very quickly. So, to provide a more meticulous system, the Kahn and Gold prelog parity rules are used to label the substituents of the double bond using antagon, E or opposite, and sousamine or same side. So, antagon E, opposite, sousamine, same side. This system, aforementioned, provides more with stereochemistry. As stated earlier, the khan pre-log priority rules give the highest priority to the largest substituent or the substituent with the greatest atomic mass and the following substituents are labelled with the numbers 234 based on atomic masses. So you number your substituents, basically you assign your priorities, you number your substituents. It's good to do this with your modelling kit, your modelling set and if you can't afford it, use gumdrops and toothpicks. Just make sure you use different colours for different types of atoms but assign your priority, arrange it, visualize it in the 3D space, you may have to build them all and from there you see 1, 2, 3, 4, practice, 1, 2, 3, 4, sinister, if it goes clockwise, if, it, the situant, if the substituents are ordered such that they go in a clockwise way, practice, if they go or they range such that they follow an anticlockwise path or trajectory, Call it a sinister. So, conformers and rotamers. A conformer is an arrangement or conformation of a molecule based on a rotation, or based on a rotation of single bonds that resulted in a potential energy minimum. A classic example of a conformer is with cyclohexane, which you have different conformers represented in the graph below. A rotamer is just a conformation of a molecule that results from another rotation of a molecule's single bonds, and you have the anomers. Osomers, and isomer formed due to the geometric radiation found certain in certain atoms specific molecules. Anomers are typically seen and described in carbohydrates where the designation of alpha or beta is used. Alpha d glucopyranose, beta d glucopyranose, And you have the epimers. An epimer, normally found in diastereomeric pairs, is a steer isomer that differs in configuration at any point in the molecule by changing of the two substituents results in the formation of a new stereoisomer. Basically, an epimer is an isomer that differs in configuration at any stereogenic center. So, van't rule. If there are n stereogenic centers with four different substituents attached, there are two to the n different stereoisomers possible. So, if you have n stereogenic centers, there are two to the n different stereoisomers possible. Okay, so some questions to think about, what is an isomer, what are the different types of isomers, explain the concept of enantiomers. what is a and even further research you can look into what is vietnam ripening, then you can talk about, uh, or oh, just look into what is a diastereo isomer, what are two club classes of diastereo isomers, then you can talk about explaining the Khan and the pre-law party rules, for designating absolute configuration. So let's keep going. Nucleophilicity and electrophilicity. In it for the long run, learn the definitions of nucleophilicity and electrophilicity. Understand the trends of nucleophilicity and basicity or electrophilicity and acidity. So we want to understand those things. Those are our objectives for this reading. Nucleophilicity is a kinetic concept that describes the affinity of an atom or molecule for the nucleus of another atom which is positively charged with the intended meaning of Nucleus Loving. So Nucleophilicity, Nucleus Loving. This term is very important for understanding reactions and their mechanisms. Nucleophilicity refers to how willing, to what degree or at what rate is an atom or molecule donating its electron density to another atom or molecule. The degree of Nucleophilicity is defined by the rate of the reaction, specifically the rate of electron density donation. Generally, nucleophilicity, when comparing a similar atom in multiple molecules, uh, follows Lewis-basicity, in some contexts. Um, also when a nucleophilic atom is different, there may be no relationship between nucleophilicity and basicity. So that's something to note. If a nucleophilic atom is different, there may be no relationship that you observe. Um, since dipole moments for each atom or molecule may be different. Thus, affecting polarizability, which is a large determining factor in nuclear felicity. So, polarizability of the electron cloud is a large determining factor in nuclear felicity. So, it's very important to understand it. It's grounded for Coulombic. It's grounded in Coulombic forces. It can result in the formation of breaking of bonds, as seen in the infamous nucleophilic attack and nucleophilic substitution. So, let's talk about electrophilicity. Electrophilicity is a kinetic concept. It involves a reaction in which there is an acceptance of an electron pair. An electrophile is defined as an electron pair acceptor on an atom or molecular part that is electron loving, electrophile. This term provides insight into mechanisms or reactions such as electrophilic aromatic substitution, electrophilic substitution, and electrophilic addition. Electrophilicity is it basically involves the measure, degree, or extent, numerically speaking, of how much an atom or molecule is willing to accept electron density from another atom or molecule. So, some questions to consider. What are some key ideas associated with the concept of nuclear felicity? What are some key trends with nuclear felicity? Explain the connection between lewis basicity and nuclear What is the connection between lewis acidity and electrophilicity? Explain the significance of PKB. Some aspects of the concept of nuclear Let's talk about spectroscopy and some instrumentations. Spectroscopy involves the study of the of electromagnetic radiation and matter. Spectroscopy has a key role in organic chemistry. It contributes to informing many processes, including spectroscopic analyses, structural elucidation, and total synthesis. Spectroscopy and spectrometry are different. Spectroscopy refers to the study of the interaction of electromagnetic radiation and matter, while for spectrometry refers to the measurement of the interaction of electromagnetic radiation and matter. So, measurements versus just the study. We have UV spec. Here's an example of a diagram, UV light source, going to a scanning motor for matter. If motor spinning, it goes to the sample cuvette, and you go to your detector, it's amplifier, and it's displayed. For your sample cuvette, you also have a reference cuvette as well. So uv spectroscopy is an analytical technique that involves the use of ultraviolet or visible light in order to analyze a sample in a cuvette. This technique can be used to quantify, detect, test, support, or support, structure, elucidation, and aids in determining molecular geometry and to study the kinds of reactions. So when you think of uv vis spec, also think about Woodward-Hoffman rules. One of the main ideas behind the use of uv vis spectrophotometers is the principle of absorbance. Uh, you can look into law and also you can look at into Sobezor, absorption is equal to epsilon molar absorptivity, absorptivity constant, um, B path length, C concentration. Then you have atomic absorption spectroscopy AAS, go from your light source, your sample, to your detector, to your computer. It has many uses in clinical, geological, biological, metallurgical, atmospheric. Also in the pharmaceutical industry. And you have your IR spec. You go from your Nerns glow, this is a version of it. To the Michelson interferometer, to your sample, to your detector to your computer. So IR can be used to detect the functional group more is access the sample, the relative location or proximity of the information. The relative location and proximity of functional groups, that information can be obtained. Um, it's based on the assumption that atoms behave as simple how oscillators that each vibration uh, is occurring. In the molecule, you know, have your NMR spec, which you go from your RF radiation generator to your NMR tube, to your RF receiver, to your computer. NMR spec provides information on the chemical environment. The nuclei of atoms are situated in. This type of spec is normally used in structure elicidation and in some cases structure determination. This analytical analytical technique involves several concepts, some such as um, shim, all this other good stuff. So gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, you have a GCMS, you go from the sample holder to your capillary column, the electron ionization, the ion trap. To the computer. It's an analytical technique that involves both analytical techniques of gas chromatography and mass spectrometry. This is a method in which components of a mixture are separated using chromatography and analyzed and characterized using mass spectrometry. Gas chromatography is a separating technique in which chemical substances are volatilized and separated by their relative boiling points, which is dependent on the chemical properties of the molecules. Mass spectrometry is an analytical technique that involves the ionization of chemical species into different ions of different atomic masses and the sorting of ions into a unique spectrum based on their mass to charge ratio. So, some key features what are some key features? what are some key features of a UV-VIS spectrometer? What are some key features with an infrared spectrometer? What's the advantage or throughput advantage? explain the advantage, multiplex advantage, explain the differences between polar and non-polar compounds in the GC-MS instrument. So we can talk about inorganic and organic metallics. This is the first part. Diatomic halogens have chemical significance as seen in several areas of organic chemistry, whether in the presence of light, organic solvent or peroxides. They can result in the formation of halogenated variable groups which can vary from alkyl halides to acyl chlorides. Diatomic halogens, when substituted in the organic molecule, can result in new properties both chemical and physical, stereochemistry, intermolecular forces, as well as conformations. Also, the chemical reaction environment also affects reduced activity in the reaction. Also, diatomic halogens can be used to test the presence of olefins, namely bromine, methane, alkene, as a result of a colorless solution. Diatomic collagens have versatile use in organic chemistry. So several inorganic reagents are used as reducing agents or oxidizing agents to convert carbonyl compounds, carbonyl containing compounds in primary and secondary substitutes, car- hydrocarbons to primary and secondary alcohols and in another direction it can convert alcohols to, to the acids. You have your sodium borohydride used to do a stepwise reduction from aldehydes to ketones to alcohol. So you have LA, ALH, or similar very dangerous, flammable and powerful reducing agent that reduces carboxylic acid and other carbonyl containing compounds. alcohol. So you have PCC, radium chlorochromate, which is used to oxidize. It functions to oxidize primary alcohols, aldehydes, and secondary alcohols to ketones. Pyridium chlorochromate is made by reacting chromium trioxide with hydrochloric acid to form chlorochromic acid, which is reacted with pyridine to form PCC. The you have the Jones reagent. is an organic in-organic reagent that is used to oxidize. It functions typically as chromic acid and involves oxidizing primary alcohols to carboxylic acids and secondary alcohols to ketones. The Jones reagent is a good oxidizing reagent. Then you have KMNO4, potassium propaganate. There's another inorganic reagent that results in oxidation of primary alcohols, carboxylic acids, and secondary alcohols to ketones. Always remember or consider the temperature at which that oxidation is occurring. Very important. Then you have PCL5, a molecule with many uses, namely the conversion of carboxylic acids and acid anhydrides to acyl chlorides. Then you have sodium cyanoborohydride. It's used to reduct- It's used in reductive amination, resulting in the formation of amines from the reduction of the cyanide portion of the reagent. There are some arra- There are some rearrangements that occur. When this is, this is being, taking place. This is another example of nucleophilic attack occurring. Meanwhile, sodium borohydride is serving as the infamous reducing. So some organic here you have your reagents are some of the first encountered organic metallics for an organic chemistry student. These molecules are composed of, yeah, of an organic variable group, a magnesium atom and a halide. It is normally used to attach organic variable groups to carbonyl, meanwhile reducing the oxygen to a hydroxyl, thus making an alcohol. Grignin reagents are very useful, however, because these are reactive to water. All materials used in the reaction to avoid water contamination must be lab oven dried. Then you also have Gilman reagents. Gilman reagents are the incorporated attacking as a nucleophile to rings with an unsaturated region, a or an alkyl halide to form an alkyl substitute molecule. Then you have your regular nucleophiles such as metallic alkoxylates, such as. Sodium ethoxide and lithium ethoxide, which are used as nucleophiles to attack a variable group whether in SN2 or E2 minor as well as in the reactions. So here are some questions. What are some examples of substitutions using diatomic halogens? What's an example of an oxidized alcohol? Explain the use of sodium borohydrate in reduction reactions. Where does the boring occur in the reaction schema and why is this chemically significant? Can nucleophilic attack serve as a means of oxidation or reduction? So let's talk about some radiochemistry principles. Understand the fundamentals of radiochemistry. Understand Markovnikov's rule and anti-Markovnikov's rule. So Markovnikov's rule, he who has more gets more. Anti-Markovnikov, he who has more gets less. Understand Zeitzel's rule and Hoffman's rule. Let's keep going. This will be the last section that we go through today. More to come later on. So regiochemical principles come from Regiochemistry comes from the Latin word regiona, meaning direction. Regiochemistry provides and describes the principles involved in directionality or position and placement of reactants to form the product. Regiochemistry is very important. As you progress, you'll hear about things being regio divergent or regioselective. selective Reagents use can cause specific radiochemical results or result in the opposite of what would normally occur. So you have mccartney rule, put simply, he who has more gets more. mccartney cause rule is in the addition of a halide to an unsymmetrical alkane, the hydrogen goes to the carbon with the greatest number of hydrogens and the halide goes to the other carbon. In another way, this rule states that the halide adds so as to form the more stable carbocation intermediate. Then you have your antimicrobial bond, which is the reverse, he who has more gets less, which the carbon with the greatest number of hydrogens does not receive the hydrogen but the most electrophilic portion of the molecule. For example, in hydroboration oxidation, in the presence of peroxides, the borohydride adds to the less. Substituted carbon of the hydrogen, and the hydrogen adds to the more substituted carbon. Keep in mind, oxidation which is done in the presence of peroxides. In this case, we're referring to it not being done in the presence of peroxides. However, the stability comes about because the electron density shifts. This is one I mean way to describe the mechanism. The electron density shifts to the electrophilic borohydride, resulting in it possessing a partially negative charge. And the more substituted carbon possessing a partially positive charge. This is indeed stable due to the electron density in the incapacity of the alkyl group. In the discussion we will talk about hyperconjugation. As character and the overlap of the alkyl carbon, the alkyl group with alkyl or electron in substituent provides stability. So Sitesh's rule, Sitesh's rule is the directionality principle in which the more substituted alkene is favored with the use of a small base such as ethoxide. Zaitsev's rule is significant and aids in predicting products and elimination reactions. So, Zaitsev small base used to the more substituted alkene. So, Zaitsev small and more substituted. So, Hoffman's rule. Hoffman's rule is another directionality principle. So, T. Hoffmann, which the less substituted alkene is favored to the use of a huge or large base, such as t Huffman's rule is also very significant in in predicting elimination reactions. So the haman postulate. In simple terms, basically the view of the potential energy hill continues in some ways as you follow through the potential energy journey. Or, the product resembles the molecular arrangement of the transition state. Or, the step of the RCD, the reaction coordinate diagram, that's closest to the transition state in energy, typically the transition state program. Will resemble that. So what does the word radiochemistry mean? What's well, an example of a reaction that follows Macabloca's rule? Explain under Macabloca's rule. What is its rule significant? Why is it significant in elimination reactions? Explain the significance of the harmony left the positive. Why are videochemistry rules helpful in studying mechanisms? Types of reactions, let's just go through these. You have your addition, substitution, elimination, reduction, oxidation, and rearrangement. Addition, but simply, is like a traditionally synergistic relationship. The two parts become one. Two different molecules are added together. Addition can be driven by nucleophiles, nucleophilic addition, or electrophiles. This type of reaction normally occurs in regions of high electron density and bond order, which is seen in compounds with multiple bonds. So, your substitution. Substitution is by definition a type of chemical group replacement. This can be driven by nucleophiles or electrophiles, as well as it can involve alkyl halides or RMR compounds, SN1s, SN2s, typically some of the first reactions encountered by an undergrad in OCam. Then you have elimination. Eliminations involve the loss of a group of atoms from a molecule. This can result in the formation of an alkene or alkinic product. Elimination tends to result in a net increase of electron density for a particular molecule, which, if considered, makes sense, since the overall process of loss and gain of electron density, density is usually presented mechanistically. Um, okay, then you also have reduction in oxidation. Classically paired process in which one atom or molecule gains electron density while another loses electron density, which is a reduction in oxidation, respectively. So, oil rake, Oxidation, loss of electrons, addition of oxygen, removal of hydrogen, increase in oxidation state or number. And then GLAD, gaining of electrons, reduction is GLAD, oxidation is LARI, reduction GLAD, gain of electrons, loss of oxygen, addition of hydrogen, decrease in oxidation state or number. So you have reduction occurs in organic reactions such as hydrogenation using rainy nickel or lithium hydride. And you also have the rearrangements. Which typically occur through 1-2 methyl shifts or 1-3-methyl shifts or one-two hydride shifts or one-three hydride shifts. The thermodynamic basis and rationale for these rearrangements occurring is that they lead to a more stable carbocation as a transition state or reaction intermediate. Many times the rearrangement results in positive charge being situated on higher substitute carbons, is presented as secondary or tertiary carbons. There are other categories for mechanistic calcification. Polar under basic conditions, example is nucleophilic substitution under basic conditions, Fall under acid conditions, example is acid, catalyzed hydration. the background noise. your paracyclic an example is the four plus two cycle addition deals on the reaction. the four plus two reaction refers to the number of electrons with the three pi electrons. And you can look into Huckel's rule each atom. So cyclic planar each atom sp2 and it must follow Huckel's rule, n plus 2 pi electrons. So if you free radical reactions, the example is the free radical polymerization, metal-mediated reactions. An example is the sodium metal-mediated perch reduction. So some questions as we conclude. What are the key features of a substitution? What are the key features of a elimination reaction? Explain the significance of rearrangement in terms of stability, and why is it important to know these types of reactions Listed in this concept development. So later on, we'll discuss different types of substitutions and different types of eliminations. But I want to remind everyone you're not alone. We are all in this scientific community. Reach out to people if you need help. Get the help that you need. Strategize, plan, use the resources at your disposal. You can do it, people are rooting for you. Uh, keep up the good work. Glad to see you doing well. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, on this ends this episode of Lecture Chaos.